Hey everybody. Hey everyone. This is Zach. And this is Stuart. And uh, this is a regular show episode. Uh, this episode is on favorite convention memories. Yeah. Um, Since we aren't able to go to any conventions as of yet. Yeah. We thought yeah, there's we'd a couple. Take a, a stroll down memory lane. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's a couple. There was one um, that happened earlier this year that, you know, to be honest, I kind of put them on my shit list and I'm not going back to them. It's Days of the Dead. Mm. Don't support them. Um, they were in Atlanta, in the Sheridan, in person. Um, Is that the only? Mid-February. Mm. <laughs> so. I wonder what their um, attendance was like. Uh, I don't know. They're one of those corporate ones, though, that, like, there's there's several that happen up and down the East Coast. Um, mm. So, yeah, I just feel like that was just kind of reckless, you know? Um, but, uh, uh-huh. yeah, all the, all the ones I plan on talking about, I think, tonight are ones that have actually done responsible things and said, look, we'll roll your membership over to next year. Yeah, which is always um, kind. Yeah. Um, though, I think didn't Dragon Con announce that they were going to be in person this year? Uh, I don't think they have yet. Um, okay. I think that they said for the time being they're planning on it. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from an event coordination angle, um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't really plan too heavily on anything that they do until into june yeah july because like they have to play stuff together yeah like like at that that point um most insurance like that's within the period of going out where their insurance will say okay you can reschedule for next year (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but uh but yeah no i um i don't know it's it's still too large i think for for me to want to go in person this year um, mm. if it's happening this year i think i'd probably go okay I definitely need my con fix there's <laughs> you know a few um, conventions that would, that i hope are happening and hope to attend yeah yeah well um in the 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 meantime while we're um talking about conventions um my i guess what was your first con? So my first con was Dragon Con. Uh, okay. My my father actually worked at a. I think it was called Draw. It was a free, basically newspaper, and he would do. He would um, basically do comics. I think mm-hmm. it was either Draw or Creative Loafing. I think it maybe it was Creative Loafing. I don't think draw was a uh, was around at that time, but um, since DragonCon was fairly small still, they would hand out tickets to a lot of the um, the people in the industry and stuff like that. So my dad would get a uh, would get two free tickets. So he ended up bringing me when I was I think in middle school, and I just fell in love with it and this was during like the 
I guess the golden age of Dragon Con where it hadn't hit that that peak, I guess, where people really knew about it. Yeah. So you could really maneuver around and you could see a lot of panels. And yeah, I remember playing like D&D there. I played a bunch of like little miniature games and I think that's where I started playing Magic. Oh, really? I, they, yeah. I ended up buying like a bunch of just like common cards for like, you know, $5 and started, yeah, playing Magic then. If you had to estimate, what what year would you say that was? Oh, gosh. I'm not 100% sure. Like, like mid-90s, maybe? Maybe. Uh, probably later 90s okay not like late 90s but maybe maybe 1996 7 gotcha well so i and the reason i ask is i looked at at wikipedia and to give to give the listeners the idea when when you're talking about the golden age of dragon con um 96 they had under 15,000 they had like 13,000 and some change yeah and then 97 they had 18 thousand which to me it's like oh man that that's (laughs) yeah that sounds great that sounds fantastic because like i'm looking at at the hotels that they had and so in 96 they had the hilton weston and the atlanta civic center Mm -hmm. and then 97 they had the in in forum convention center the weston and the atlanta civic center hmm um, like those were the con hotels. Yeah. Um, which it's wild. I've only ever seen them like in the setup that they are now, but like they, they've had some shifts and movements. over. Yeah. The they have. It looks like. Yeah. I remember when it was just the three, three, um, main hotels. Yeah. The what or not the Western, the, um, Sheridan, the Marriott and the Hyatt. Yeah. Mm-hmm um what about you what was your first oh so my first um it's fun so my very first was anime weekend atlanta in 2004 i had just moved to atlanta for school and it was at anime club and one of our members um one of our friends was like hey it turns out i can't go but i've already booked a full weekend room would you like to go and i go yeah sure and like this is at a time when like the full weekend badge i don't know what it is now but the full weekend badge it was like 25 bucks and so i was like it's actually still fairly cheap yeah yeah i mean compared to like the super large ones yeah like and and yeah i remember you know, going with her to, uh, I think the Galleria and having to like change it over so that I could pick up the badge and everything. And this is like my first time going to anything yeah. like this. Huh. Um, I also, we were staying at the hotel. So like, uh, there were like yeah. eight, eight people to our room. Yeah. I <laughs> which mean, is... there's been many a times when we had like at Dragon Con just a room full of eight people when really only like four people could be in that room but yeah those rooms are so expensive and you're like 
poor college, college students or poor high school students. So if you could rope in eight people, then it became a lot more reasonable. So yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing with, with AWA is that I didn't know, like, I had no idea how to, how to um, like sit and highlight the schedule and like, look for, like, I had no idea what was going on. So I, I followed one of our friends who was also in anime club and I just kind of like tagged along and, <laughs> and ended up in um, lots of panels where, where I was just like, oh, this is bizarre. Yeah, this is interesting. And it, so, so like it opened my eyes to a lot of things that I would not have gone to on my own. As yeah, well. which is great. Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, my first Dragon Con, I, I think, was either that year or the next year. So 04, 05. So... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like looking at, uh, let me pull back up that page. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, and it's funny, like the people we've taken to Dragon Con since who have not been yet, um, they, uh, you know, usually like the first one is kind of like the first read of like a book or a first watch of a movie or something where it's just like, it, there's so much going on yeah it take it may take you a while to process it but if i I mean i just know people who go there and like people watch i mean and that's a perfectly legit reason to get a badge it's just people watch yeah and just like walk around and everything like that yeah yeah well and and you know looking at the their uh dragon cons information i have um Let's see, it's, if it was 04 or 05, both years, the closest they can estimate is 20,000 plus, which even that, like, that sounds ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the Con Hotels in 04 were the Hyatt and the Marriott. And then in 05, it was Hyatt, Marriott, Hilton. Yeah. So I, I think my first Dragon Con was actually 05, looking at this. Okay. Um, but uh but yeah no like it's it's definitely fun to experience one for the first time like mm-hmm. one of the things that that um is is interesting with having done this podcast and having gone been able to go to a bunch of smaller conventions um is i don't know that like there's a there's a different sort of like brain feel like it's scratched if that makes sense like i do enjoy the large ones yeah but i also like the smaller more locally like homegrown conventions as well yeah i mean Um, i i think they both hold their purposes yeah where you know you have these smaller conventions that become a little bit more personalized yeah where you can you know really dive deep meet people and see people again because like you know you might meet somebody at dragon con at like a a dance or a panel or something like that chance of you running into them again slim to none just because yeah there's so many people and stuff like that but with these smaller conventions you can like run into somebody since there's only like five panels you'll probably run into them again yeah um 
and yeah, like the the seeing the same people in the same places too, like especially volunteering at conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I was doing, it's it's funny the circuit that you see some people like pick up and and follow. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the you know I I was looking back at at episodes and stuff a couple of days ago, and you know we've been to multiple iterations of some of these conventions, but like you know two two one Beacon was the first one that gave us press passes. Yeah, uh, that was actually I, one of the um like first smaller conventions I've been to. Yeah. Like, I really don't consider AWA like a small convention. No. I actually worked for a vendor over at AWA, so I get a lot of um well not a lot, but a free ticket. Yeah. And you know, it was nice to experience it through a vendor's eyes. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. And um yeah, so I think 221B Con was probably the first small, like, convention I was actually a part of. Okay. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it, it was definitely one of the smaller ones that... One of the first. Like, I had volunteered at a couple once, but... Um, I've actually never volunteered at a con. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Never huh. done any of the, um... The, like I said, the closest I got to was working for a vendor. Yeah yeah but yeah you should do it sometime it's it's really interesting it's yeah um, i'm sure it gives you like an insight into what goes beyond the curtains yeah yeah like it it definitely opens your eyes to sides of the convention that it's just like you know hanging out with people like insecurity or whatever and it's just like oh man i am so glad i don't have to work security yeah no yeah (laughs) Or, well, it's um, safety coordination, I think. Now, I think security is something that they don't use for legal reasons anymore. But, oh, interesting. Um, yeah. No, well, and, and you know, like we also went to Hulanta, which was TimeGate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, conventions will change. Like the TimeGate. Oh, time, it I was guess I a, did volunteer because I volunteered at TimeGate. Oh, did you? Yeah, I volunteered. Uh, I ran their gaming room, which was a lot of fun. Well, yeah. So they wanted me to be more of like a a barker to like get people in play <laughs> games, but I really didn't do that. I basically sat in the room and played games with people. Like I didn't get, I didn't like try to get people in there. I when people came in, I was like, hey, you want to play some games? Well, I mean, let's be real. Like, that's... It was a small enough convention at the time that if people wanted to find the game room, like, it was right there for them to find. Like, it's not like they need a carnival barker to get people Mm -hmm. in. Um, Which, yeah, like, I thought that we had attended the last two Lanta, but with everything going digital... um, apparently like they're still going <laughs> yeah. i mean it's a lot easier to run a con digitally than in person yeah um one of the last ones that we covered last year um right in the middle of february like because it was valentine's day weekend and oh yeah 
um, was Anacrocon, which was in its last year. Um, and yeah, it was interesting being at the very last one. Um, you know, some, sometimes we see conventions that are probably like the fan base is, is, has aged up to a point that it, it should probably be folded into a larger thing as a track yeah. as well. Um, not saying that it was a bad convention, but no, just... No. I mean, and that's what Hulana does is, you know, yeah. they have a British track for Dragon Con. And the person who runs Hulana runs that British track as well, so... Oh, I had no idea that Alan did that. Mm-hmm, yep. Ooh. He is a part of that, I guess, on the board and whatnot. Well, um, yeah, and, you know, one of the other ones that we covered was, uh, that, it's funny, it was, we were scared, we had tickets to go, Uh, well, it's the same thing with with 221B, is that, Mm -hmm. you know, they notified us that they were, they were stopping, but we had, um, tickets lined up to go to, uh, to, uh, Atlanticon, which we only went to once. It was a lot fun, though. It was super fun, well, and I remember, like, they were very responsible with it because, you know, at least here in Atlanta, I think last year they were supposed to be in like mid happened in like mid March or so. Mm-hmm. And like February hit and they were, they sent out like, look, we're adhering to the guidelines. We're going to space out chairs. We're going to have hand sanitizers. You know, the person who runs it is in the medical profession. So she understood what, uh, um, big deal what was going it on. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then, then there was the follow-up message of like, unfortunately we're going to have to roll over. Yeah. Maybe to next year, maybe the following year, depending on how things go. Um, but that's, that's definitely one that, um, you know, it's, it's themed around, um, the LGBT community in, Mm -hmm. um, uh, sci-fi gaming, um, the this the standard cultural things but but it's it's the way that those communities experience those those tracks as well and yeah i had such a good time at that one as well yeah it was a lot of fun i i really enjoyed it you know they they hit on the highlights that ah always bring me back be it karaoke be it cosplay (laughs) Uh, you love your just, karaoke. I do. I, I'm I'm definitely missing it, and you know it's it's fun because you know with these larger conventions, when you do karaoke, you sign up for it. And it's like okay, well your turn will be in like two and a half hours, and you're like, well I'm not going to sit here and wait two and a half hours. Yeah, it's like I'm not going to sit here three hours, yeah. two hours, or whatever. <laughs> um, but I will say that these larger cons do have more like diverse karaoke like i will say that dragon con had like i guess gaming karaoke where you could only sing songs from like games and stuff like that where i ended up doing like the pokemon theme song which was a lot of fun so there (laughs) are ways around of just like the you know massive line but then with the smaller cons it's like oh well I can be a part of this and, you know, I don't have to wait so many hours to actually have my song 
it pulled up. What was um your first cosplay memory? What was your first cosplay? Do you remember? Uh, so so I don't know what my first cosplay was. I have I definitely have some favorites over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the ones that sticks out to me is the Dragon Con, where it was, uh, it was uh, us, my wife, my brother, a couple of friends. Oh. Um, and it was the family guy cosplay. Yeah, that was that was a great group cosplay. Yeah, so like I was I was Peter. Um Yeah. I was which Griffin. It, well, or it's, not Griffin, it's, um Brian. Brian. The dog. Yeah, well yeah. And, and it's funny that group cosplay everyone had the same experience, um, other than my wife, who was Lois, because she was walking around with like a stewy um doll basically because obviously we don't know any babies at that point um (laughs) and would you really want to carry around the baby at dragon con no 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 i I would not (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um but yeah no like everyone had the same experience in that like when we were broken up and separated no one really paid attention but like when we went out as a group and we were tightly together everyone was like oh okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah and and some of those group cosplays just kind of work like that yeah. where you really have to have the entire group i know you know there's a couple of archer groups that um yeah they're great like you know when you see the individuals you're like okay that's a great archer but like when they're in a group you're like oh wow you guys spent a lot of time like trying to coordinate this and everything along those lines i had um a friend of uh cosplayers they cosplayed characters from the mummy so yeah the brendan fraser mummy and like i forget brendan fraser's character's name but um rick yeah when rick was walking around people didn't really get it they're like indiana jones he's like no not really (laughs) but when they were together as a group yeah a lot of people like oh yeah i get this so well yeah i mean that's another one where it's like I wouldn't fault anyone for being like Pitfall Harry, but like if you see Imhotep and Anaxuna Moon and Eevee, yeah. and, like it's like, okay, I know exactly who this is. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen these people before. So Yeah. <laughs> um I one one that I had fun with, uh, even though it was it was funny because I, I am pretty much blind without my glasses. <laughs> I um, cosplayed as Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh, which, yeah. If you haven't noticed the theme, I really like lazy cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> because Carl was basically a an A-cut shirt, blue sweatpants, flip-flops, and then this gold medallion. And then I, I'm already bald, so like I didn't have to do anything to my head, but I just shaved myself like one of those shitty, like, pencil thin mustaches and just like walked around and like yelled at people it's pretty great <laughs> it was good it was also when i could drink so <laughs> yeah it was a nice easy one for people to be like hey here have a drink have a jello shot or whatever yeah <laughs> um how about you is there there one that sticks out in your mind um there's so i will I'll say my classic one, the one that I've done a few times, the one that I've participated in the Dragon Con parade, and the one that I probably 
have the most success with is is Frodo Baggins. I, I have a great costume that I can put together as yeah. as Frodo. And I ended up walking with the Mill Earth folk, which are great folks. Um, they they have a whole group and everything. And it was a lot of fun just like participating with them. And that's definitely my go-to. I think it was, I don't think it was my first one. I think my first one was Mario, just like mm-hmm. a standard I bought some overalls from like Target, a red shirt. <laughs> I ended up making the Mario hat. But but yeah, that was my first one. But my like, I guess my signature one would probably be the Further Baggins. Didn't my wife make the um the brooch? Yeah, the, I, the little leaf brooch Mm -hmm. the leaf brooch for the um for your cape coat yeah or cloak cloak, yeah yeah i I still have it i still wear it when i put together the yeah when i put together the outfit and everything but yeah that's that's definitely my go-to classic one and then i believe the first one i did was a very easy mario costume hmm well, my, my, uh, the last one that, cause I, I don't really cosplay that much. Although, um, mm. I will I say as a side cosplay. note, uh, yeah. my wife and I are talking about whenever we can go back to cons, she's got gotten super into Slay the Spire mm-hmm. and she wants to cosplay the merchant and have me as the ironclad. Oh, cool. Um, the ironclad would be hard. It's I, a lot of armor. Well, it would be the easiest, I think, like because because I think you could get away with like colors, but well, and and that's mm. a separate conversation. But like, you know, it's basically a mask, a wig, a sword, and then like a chest piece. Like you could get away with like red pants and a black shirt underneath whatever your chest piece is. I think, mm-hmm. um, which. I think she's logged like 180 hours in that game. She's getting close to me. Um, she's getting close yeah, to my number. Yeah, she's she's at Ascension three with all four characters at this point. She's slowly working nice. her way up to Ascension twenty. But my yeah, um, I'm at Ascension um, thirteen with all the characters. Okay. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, like I, I think whenever we can go back to conventions uh, again, I think we should cosplay a, a group of Slay the Spire. I think that would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, thinking about it, I think I have like about seven or eight cosplay um, costumes. Uh, there's a couple, well, there's two that I'm planning on premiering or premiering or I guess wearing unveiling unveiling yeah at um the next convention be it dragon con or momocon or awa i'm really looking forward to it i haven't put it fully together yet either of them but once we get some definite confirmation from either of those conventions i'll start putting them together Hmm. well like my one of my favorite ones, I I think that that I have done, 
was Mr. Party. And for oh, yeah. people who are unfamiliar with Mr. Party, generally mm. when one cosplays, you want to be recognizable. Yeah. Um, Mr. Party came out of my wife and I going to Party City and me spending $20 <laughs> on um, uh, grotesque the 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 like faces that are just blank and some fake yeah, sort of like um what's that dance group um that has those like white masks oh i don't know is uh, it the french the, the french dance crew mm, i forget that? their name they're b-boys um yeah i'm not sure um but you know like it was just it was this red mask this blue mustache that i had i added to the mask a little blue like fedora uh, a capelet and some some mesh for my arms and then a hawaiian shirt and it was hilarious to me because i could like walking down i everyone that i walked past would either look at me and be really confused because they're like, what is that from? Like was, was the look on their face. Like no one stopped yeah, yeah. me and asked me what it was. Yeah. Um, or people would be walking by and they would like give me a wide berth because they're like, I don't know what that is. This is a crazy person. I don't want to be around. <laughs> Jabberwockies. Jabberwocky. Oh, Okay. Uh, those are the people that have those like masks that you're wearing Sorry, oh okay I see i up. didn't realize it was from anything i just i i wanted to throw together something that that kind of matched color wise but mm -hmm. but uh was also just like here's 20 bucks or 25 bucks or whatever um yeah from a party city together. and i had a real good time yeah yeah and, and again like cosplay so I'm a big believer that cosplay is just having fun. Yeah. It's whatever, like, even if you don't match the character's physique or race or whatever, I think just having fun, putting together, you know, the best that you can do is, is great. And should, I think cosplay should just be widely recognized as just a fun activity and don't stress about like if you have the perfect pieces uh that's something i have to remind myself constantly sometimes like if things don't go perfectly i will have a small mental breakdown but i realize like it's not that bad it's never that <laughs> that bad because I remember when I did my, um, oh, I forget the character from Wireworld, but uh, when I did that particular <clears throat> cosplay, like, I didn't have it, like, all properly put together, but nonetheless, it still worked, and it was still a great time. Well, so, speaking of, yeah, like, I'm also a huge proponent of, like, people you know cosplaying a character that they want to cosplay as like there's um i i, I want to give a recommendation because i just came across it recently it's uh it's a couple months old 
at this point. But it's from a cosplayer named Afro Coco Puffs. Um, mm-hmm. She has a, a TikTok. Um, and it's a music video that you can find on YouTube called Hinata Isn't Black. And then the music video is her response to people who say that because she's an African-American cosplayer. Yeah. Um, and she obviously hears that from shitheads online whenever she posts cosplay. And her cosplay is all amazing. <laughs> yeah and does not warrant any such comments like that um so i do think that's a very funny music video that isn't in spirit with what we're talking about um yeah yeah i mean and it's like as long as you've got the swagger as long as you've got like the the costume and again it doesn't have to be a million dollar costume like i've seen great costumes of people who've put together yeah. like box costumes and stuff like that yeah they were still fantastic because you know they took the time and effort to put together this like box costume but you know it, it doesn't really matter exactly what type of costume it is as long as you know you're having fun and yeah. as long as you know you're being safe and yeah yeah just have fun with it yeah um but uh yeah i mean those are those are pretty much my um convention yeah uh, memories did you have anything we didn't discuss that that you wanted to um touch on no just it's it's been fun and it's you know it's amazing just sort of like making this family it's definitely a a community of people and yeah there's going to be some some bad apples here and there but the majority of the people are great people who legitimately want their convention to be fun so i would not be afraid to ask anybody like directions or help with anything if you need it um People at conventions are usually fairly friendly. And, you know, if if you ever see us around the convention, definitely give us a holler. We're friendly people, too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the things I can't wait to do is is go back, review these conventions, upload Instagram, share things on Twitter, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, like all, all of these conventions definitely have a, a familial feel, um, yeah. that I, I definitely miss. Yeah. Same, same here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I will. And I guess with that, uh, you want to move on to Mimi Me's? Sure. Okay. Uh, well, so I've got three things this time. Um, uh, I think I just have one thing. Okay. That's fine. Um, so, uh, I guess I, I can start if, if that's yeah. fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I watched a couple of documentaries that I found really interesting. Um, the first is, uh, the last blockbuster, which oh. ironically enough can be found on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. My father was actually talking about that. It's really good. So, so do you know, um, like, do you know what actually killed Blockbuster? 
Yeah, they just poor decision making. They were going to, I think Netflix came with them with their idea, and then they were like, "Nah." That, uh, well, so so it's partly that. Like, so so some of it was like because every, everyone in in the documentary is just like, "Oh yeah, no Netflix killed Blockbuster," and it's so Reed Hastings pitched it to Blockbuster. They didn't mm-hmm. see it working. Yeah. Um, and so they passed on it. They realized this is when Netflix like was mailing stuff. Yeah, it was just mailing discs. Um, so Netflix kind of had a head start, but Blockbuster, you know, was shifting course. They, they, I didn't know this, but apparently had an option to to mail, um, yeah, to to mail, but also to stream through their website. Hmm. Um, they didn't have apps because that wasn't a thing at the time. What killed Blockbuster was um, basically corporate fuckery with with the accountings or accounting and, and uh, with their books because um, it's all cash, right? So it's all it's all liquid. They borrowed a, whoever owned it. I think Viacom at the time um, borrowed a bunch of money, over leveraged it, and then the 08 financial crash happened. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what wiped them out. <laughs> um, I can tell you that I still remember like the <clears throat> smell of a blockbuster. Like it had such a unique smell of like plastic candy and popcorn. Yeah. Well, so so yeah, like everyone who like brings that up and um, yeah, like it's it's the off gassing of the plastic from the clamshells. Mm-hmm. The popcorn, the the Orville Redenbacher that they just have stocked, yeah, <laughs> um, hmm. all of that stuff. But but it follows this one, like the the titular last blockbuster is actually in Bend, Oregon, which I really want to go to now and get a blockbuster hoodie and get get a blockbuster membership card. Hmm. Um, they 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 apparently have a contract that goes, I think, through twenty twenty four. It was re-upped or whatever. But Hmm. um, yeah, like they don't have a way of getting official releases from Blockbuster anymore. So what she does is she'll, you know, go to like, and they film her doing this in in the documentary. So I feel so fine saying this. I'm not blowing up her her spot or anything, but like she'll go to Target and buy like, 20 copies of newly released dvds Hmm. and clamshell them and put them up um one of the really interesting things is that they all of their computers are the same computers from like the mid 90s because that's that's what their their system is based off of yeah so she has a uh a workshop in her home that has a bunch of old Dell machines that they don't make anymore. They don't make parts for anymore. So when something goes bad on one of the working computers, she can just pull apart a computer and put that piece in and keep on rolling. Um, yeah, it's, it's um, real interesting. Cause like one of the things that I didn't like as a kid growing up, like, we would go to Blockbuster like every weekend. Like one of, one of my memory, first memories as a kid um, is my dad had one of those child seats for like a bicycle. Mm-hmm. And I remember 
being young enough to be put in one of those and like like buckled in or whatever and yeah. he would uh have me hold like my job in this this transaction on this mission was hmm. to hold the two vhs tapes and just sit there right yeah and he would bike to the blockbuster that was maybe a mile or so down the road from where we lived put him through the drop slot <laughs> or, or have me uh, like unbuckle me and like let me go up to the, the drop slot we push the things into the drop slot and then buckle me back in and we bicycle us back home huh. um nice but like really nice like memory. as a kid i didn't know that the way that blockbuster basically killed all the mom and pop videos because we i've also been to mom and pop video stores is yeah through through something called rev share and basically what what it means is is they the model that blockbuster used was um appealing to studios greed uh because what would happen is the mom and pop video stores would have to buy copies on vhs directly from studios so like brand new copies of movies they would have like one or two because it was like a hundred dollars per tape right mm -hmm. you have to rent that out a whole lot of times at a dollar a day right yeah. to make that back whereas blockbuster would go look we're not going to or you're going to give them to us and then we'll split it 80 20 you you know the studio is getting 80 percent of the share yeah we keep 20 percent um and we'll just sorry my computer's doing something weird uh -oh. adobe's trying to install something um no, not adobe <laughs> fucking adobe um and and so yeah like th the studios would just give blockbuster the tapes and they would give them like 20 or 30 at a time so like they were yeah. always stocked with whatever you wanted new releases yeah um huh but yeah, I really want to go to Bend, Oregon and, and see if I can get a Blockbuster card in a hoodie. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a lot of... I feel like, I guess it's more of just the the nostalgia of going back to a Blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. I definitely miss it. Like, I mean, you know, I'm on Netflix I mean, all the time. I watched this documentary on Netflix. Yeah, there's um, other video stores here. Like, you can go to Videodrome if you want to go to, like, a, a rental place. I, I mean, I've been to Videodrome twice, and my my opinion of the the uh, shop staff there is not very high. <laughs> oh. I've never had any sort of issues there. Hmm. I, I I mean, it was just interactions that were were basically like comic book guy from The Simpsons, oh. which I know like you run into that with like any sort of niche thing, like any like record store, you're gonna find a staff member that's like that. But yeah, um, I don't know. There's just something about the smell of a blockbuster like i wish they could put it in a candle yeah and so that i could just, just burn it. it and go yes this is this is what my my childhood smelled like yeah no <laughs> but the uh yeah the the other documentary this one might have some appeal to you because it's been a while since i've seen you but you still mm -hmm. have your your uh, cobra right yes I so do. um the documentary i watched was called shelby american and oh. uh 
the it's documentary on Carol Shelby and his his tuning company. Um, and for people that don't know, Carol Shelby ran um, Shelby American. It's the name of the company that kind of put Mustang on the map. Um, he, you know, in back in the I think sixties, um, his background is more of the like drag racer hot rod tuning type type company um or type work on cars and in europe there's a 24-hour race called le mans and Mm -hmm. porsche for years has just dominated this race um with their cars they're they're very fast they they don't have very many blowouts or anything like that with with such stressful conditions and so basically shelby was able to unseat porsche and get their start in the business by taking a bunch of bodies of um, ac cobras which is a i think ac was a british car and they took uh he took um mustang v8s v6s or v8s and put them in these smaller lighter cars and so he won le mans with it and then ever since you know worked very closely with uh ford so that the the like shelby edition of a of Mm -hmm. a ford mustang um is typically the cobra um no yeah, like it's it's a holdover from him, you know, taking his Cobras to to Le Mans and coming back with trophies. Um, yeah, like the 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 Cobra editions are all all um, things that he or his staff has have worked on, or his company has worked on or or designed. So typically, they've got bigger, throatier engines. <laughs> um, hmm. I, I don't yeah. know if if yours is a is a V six or a V eight, but they're typically the the supercharged yeah it's it's definitely got some noise to it yeah and, yeah like it's you know, typically with it being supercharged a manual and, and everything it's funny because like you know the um stick actually vibrates with the power of like the engine and stuff like that oh i can imagine <laughs> but yeah it's a it's definitely it's a weakened car <laughs> yeah yeah it's probably not one you you'd want to drive every single day no yeah because Um, the the shifting is actually pretty heavy on it you've got to put a lot of pressure on to the uh clutch yeah just to yeah move it around yeah um which is you know honestly probably good from a safety standpoint you wouldn't want it to just kind of slip out of gear (laughs) yeah Mm. um especially the speeds that that thing can probably go um yeah it's uh, but yeah no like I, I recommend that one as well um if if you've got netflix uh to check out you know both of those but you specifically you may find uh the history of of one of your cars uh, really really fascinating <laughs> my one of two cars don't make it sound like i've got a board of no you've cars. got a garage of like 14 right <laughs> yeah I you mean like his batman garages <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess the last thing I did is I played through the, uh, the reboot series of Tomb Raider. Hmm. Um, and I gotta say, I, so I didn't finish the last one. (laughs) Um, that's not good. The first one's cool. 
so the last one i didn't finish it because honestly it's kind of boring um it's the so it's a sandbox type map because it's all mm-hmm. it's all open world and it's me exploring it and unlocking the stuff but it's so exploration focused that i'm mainly just fast traveled around because i don't i didn't want to be searching for things like that like honestly yeah. the second one is the best um if i had to describe it it's basically assassin's creed the uncharted edition like it's uh, um, a lot it, of cutscenes and stuff yeah well it, it's not a lot of cutscenes so much as it's um by by assassin's creed uncharted edition i i mean it's it's an open world and you kind of determine which which way you want to take the story but it's very apparent which way the story is taking you like it yeah, like what's a side side quest versus what's a story mission mm-hmm. um it's the controls feel good it's intuitive they obviously put a lot of effort into the ui um i i really like it i like the story of it i like all the side quests and doing everything i'm just yeah like i the they they skewed too far towards oh we'll we'll just let you explore everywhere (laughs) in the third one that it's like okay but i don't know I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, if I do this one thing, am I going to unlock myself from doing other things that I haven't done yet? Like, yeah. <laughs> I want this to, yeah. Yeah, I want this, like, I want to unlock everything, but if you're going to close me off from some bits of the game, <laughs> I'm just going to not good. play the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, the, the reboot series is interesting. Um, it's much more engaging than original tomb raider like because I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the original series of games if i'm being uh, completely uh, honest um, but these are really good um if you again if you like uncharted or assassin's creed the second one is definitely going to be up your alley hmm. nice. um but yeah that was me for this this uh, week yeah um i only ended up doing one thing i um actually played a draft of the new magic set strixhaven oh strixhaven Um, yeah strixhaven it's their wizard college that's nothing like harry potter but kind of like harry potter (laughs) i mean you know is it young wizards running around or is it no it's it's older wizards and stuff and they've got houses and i think you choose the like well they don't call them houses they call them colleges but i think you choose the college or something along those lines i'm not super versed in the lore so i can't report back on that but the set itself is is nice it's fun so far i do like their new mechanic this learn mechanic where you play a card and you can take a lesson from your sideboard and the lessons are clearly marked on the card and stuff like that and put it into your hand Mm. the only problem is the houses are color locked so like the i don't know any of the houses actual names but (laughs) the houses have two colors like two color identities oh okay there's a black and white 
house. There's a red and blue house. Hmm. There's a green and blue. There, there's so they're locked into like two colors. Yeah, they have to be from yeah, yeah. So it <clears throat> does make the draft experience a little. I, I guess you're locked in because you can you know you can try different strategies and stuff like that but like the best strategy is just to kind of lock into a house and draft mm. that particular color and everything along those lines but i do like the mechanics and i've had a lot of fun with just drafting it and yeah i think it's a a good i think it's a good set um so this set only has a few of the colleges, only a couple of the color combinations. I think the next set that they're coming out with is going to have the other color combinations. But they also have these like old, like I guess, time-shifted cards from previous, um, I guess, uh, magic history of spells, since it's, again, like spell-based. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of cool, like opening up these like older cards and everything like that, and sort of oh, seeing. That is cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a lot of fun. But um, but yeah, I, all in all, I think it's a it's a decent set, and I'm going to continue drafting it. Nice. Yeah. Now, did you do this digitally, or or did you? Yeah. Do it? Um, okay. I don't think. There's any local stores that are doing in person doing trips. yeah because normally you know there was a couple like I haven't been to a an actual game store in forever there was a couple of game stores that I used to go to but they're kind of far away there was this one bar this um it's called Joystick it was actually a Kickstarter bar which was pretty cool but oh that they bar was Kickstarted yeah it was Kickstarter oh, yeah that yeah. Um, but they did like drinking and drafting, but it wasn't like sanctioned because magic frowns on people drinking while playing their game. Uh, but, um, it was still, you know, um, something that you could do at that bar, but I don't think they're having it anymore because again, with drafting in person, you have to pass cards. Like everybody's touching the same thing. Yeah, you're in a very not... enclosed space. Yeah. Um. So it would be very hard. So yeah, I've only played it digitally, and yeah, uh, it was it was fun so far. I can see, I can definitely see it becoming old quickly. Like, I can see that once the shininess of the mechanics wear off, it's going to probably be pretty samey like mm. you'll either end up into a particular house and you'll probably hopefully have a lot of the interesting cards yeah yeah yeah, yeah well it's it's funny i heard some news that magic um within the year is going to put out a set that is um forgotten realms so like how they they put magic in D D. they're gonna put D D in magic yeah i kind of want to see what it looks doing like <laughs> quite a lot of and a lot of people have feelings on this that oh i imagine yeah yeah that they're doing a lot of like crossover um mm. ips they're doing one with warhammer 40k where they're going to put warhammer 40k characters into you know magic 
Oh, and, that's weird. you know, some people, yeah, some people, like, I guess, enjoy that because they enjoy Warhammer as well as magic. But some people kind of just want magic to be its own thing. And, you know, sure. magic has its own IPs and you kind of like, I don't know, people have been, it, when we were talking about podcasts and I actually went with YouTube creators, um, Tolarian Academy, the professor has a, yeah. a good, I guess, article or not article, but a good um, rant about this and everything like that, yeah. because they previously did one for The Walking Dead, like Neagle is in magic. Oh, ne- yeah, Negan, yeah. Yeah. It's like, mm, Yeah, I, well, it's funny. Um, I, um. It's like, I play my Neagle card. It's like, mm, Well, I okay. don't, it, well, it's funny. Like, I don't like them doing that. Like, no. Um, there's a lot I, of like D and D fits more, like, especially if they do like forgotten realms, like, okay, that that's at least thematically the same. Um, yeah. I think, I feel like I, even though it's, um, like I have a weird feeling about them doing it with 40 K because like, that's not an IP of Hasbro. Like, yeah. I feel like if, if they were to do a, like, my little pony set or a transformer set there did a couple set. of um my little pony cards they didn't oh, do they a have full set but yeah they did like some specialty cards we'll see like i i don't know maybe i'm just too brand loyal but like i feel like if they did that with ip ips that they owned it would be different <laughs> i, I mean it's, i don't a lot of people just want regularly. magic to be like magic magic's already got a bunch of yeah iconic characters it's like why are you trying to add other people's iconic characters into the game is yeah. warhammer going to add jace to their game are they going to put some <sighs> walkers in their game yeah uh, i don't know like that's not. real weird um yeah did the walking dead end up like doing anything with magic maybe like flashing a magic card in one of their episodes Nah. nah. yeah it's just it's it's strange it's like I don't know why magic is is bending over backwards to do this. Well, I do know it's money, but uh, yeah, I was about to say yeah. <laughs> you know full well why they're doing it. <laughs> but you know, it's just I don't know. It's it makes it takes away from the the world, the lore building, the ambiance. Yeah. It's like, well, does that mean Jace is like? And was it? Is it going to stop there? Is Superman going to be in this magic? Is like, I don't know, the Punisher yeah. and Deadpool going to be in magic? I mean, you would think that they have made so much. Like, I, I know un, under the underlying issue is it's a company and they're they have to maximize their revenue or whatever. But yeah. like, you would think at a certain point, it's like okay this thing should be its own thing we don't need to have negan running around with lucille smashing orcs in the face like, yeah while um, superman shoots eye beams at him yeah like it, it, a certain it sounds point, like, like smash up ridiculous. if you want to play smash up play smash exactly up. i love smash and up smash dearly up it's one of my like favorite 20 dollars yeah smash up is one of my favorite games i, yeah. I love it i have Actually, no, I have every expansion of Smash. Yeah, and if 
that's your thing that you want to do do that but like magic um, is its own thing and has its own yeah. lore to it it's like you don't want to take away from that and it feels exactly like kind of taking away from that a little bit but yeah those are just my feelings yeah no no I, and i i get that i it's it's super strange that they're doing it because like you said that's that's a hundred percent a different game that you could totally make that work with <laughs> yeah um i mean hell one of the expansions i have for smash up is marvel so i got you can have shield characters running around in a smash up game um but yeah that's um it's unfortunate they're doing it um is is the strixhaven does does it look um like it's going to be a like what what is the chatter i guess on the streets is it going to be uh, a well-liked set that's memorable or are people just kind of like eh yeah i think people are kind of eh about it at the moment um mm. it's funny a lot of people like so they've got different names and everything for the colleges but everybody calls them by the ravnica name the ravnica guild because i guess no one remembers the strixhaven <laughs> like college's name and like you know the guilds were so iconic yeah they made four sets of those guilds you know they keep on coming back to those those guilds and everything like that so it's it's hard but i mean i guess people are enjoying it i'm enjoying it for a little bit but i think it's going to wear out its welcome pretty quickly gotcha yeah but yeah like i can't name any of the strixhaven colleges but i can tell you what guild they're from (laughs) <laughs> it's is it it's orzov um gagari and boris boros mm. missing any of them oh and sit or uh, signet no not signet sigma something yeah it's okay blue green one oh. seismic <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, like a combination of two Greek letters, and I was like, "Wow, they're really taking the whole College of Magic thing to a whole new level with like frats." No, those were all the guilds. <laughs> no, no, I, I yeah, no, I know. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, well, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to to bring up about Strixhaven or or the magic no. community at large? Or well, I think I've said everything. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so. Yeah, uh, that, I guess, will conclude this episode uh, of the Midnight Society. Uh, now, <laughs> <laughs> um, our uh, current book, book club book is uh, Animal Farm. We'll be covering that soon. Um, and, yeah, send us emails. Let us know how you're doing. Wear your mask. Stay safe. Yeah. And um, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.